Welcome to another episode of the Writing Expensive Words podcast. On this show, we take a relational approach to turning readers into fans by using expensive words based on our emotions to write compelling stories. This way, instead of finding customers who read, we find friends and fans who will go on any storytelling path with us as we walk down the winding roads that make up our author journeys. Get ready to learn more about writing the story of your heart right now on Writing Expensive Words. Welcome to another episode of the Writing Expensive Words podcast uh, here on whatever podcast uh, sort of thing you're listening to and also live on YouTube. Today, we're going to uh, talk about how you can write two main POVs by looking at examples found in two of my absolute favorite books, because who doesn't love a dual POV story? All right, so let's get started. Uh, The first book that we're going to look at together is The Sun is Also a Star, written by the amazing Nicola Yoon, and uh, I am going to use my awesome signed copy that my husband gave me for Christmas uh, two years ago, and in this book... Um, there's a prologue, and I'm going to talk more about prologues later, but I just wanted to let you know that there is a prologue because um, the most clever thing that, one of the most clever things I've ever seen in a book is in this book because Nicola Yoon uses the universe as a perspective in the story, and she gives random facts about different characters, which um, is pretty amazing because she does it without any head hopping, and it's really smooth. And so uh, I'm going to read the introduction to her two main characters, which are Daniel and Natasha. And the first one that comes up is Daniel. Local teen accepts destiny, agrees to become doctor, stereotype. And that's in italics. So it's like a headline, which is so clever, so lovely. It's Charlie's fault that my summer, and now fall, has been one absurd headline after another. Charles J. Won Bay, a.k.a. Charlie, my older brother, firstborn son of a firstborn son, surprised my parents and all their friends and the entire gossiping Korean community of Flushing, New York, by getting kicked out of Harvard University. Best school, my mother said when his acceptance letter arrived. Now he's been kicked out of best school, and my su- and all summer my mom frowns and doesn't quite believe and doesn't quite understand. Why you grade so bad? They kick you out? Why they kick you out? Why not make you stay and study more? My dad says not kick out, required to withdraw, not the same as kick out. Charlie grumbles. It's just temporary, only for two semesters. Under his unholy barrage of my parents' confusion and shame and disappointment, even I almost feel bad for Charlie. Almost. And there's a lot of fun uh, stylistic things in here. Since he's remembering the dialogue, it's all in italics instead of being in quotation marks. Uh, If you want to go look at the front, uh, the beginning of this book, you can go on Amazon and look at the sample of The Sun is Also a Star by Nicola Yoon. And you should be able to read the first few pages so you'll be able to see what she did. And, uh, and remember, there are lots of different ways to ways to write dialogue. And um, 
interior dialogue and you don't have to follow specific rules. I'm creating a whole course about this right now uh, called Dial Up Your Dialogue. But the thing is, you have to make sure you maintain consistency throughout your book, whatever you choose, so that the reader is geared up for it each time it appears. And um, Nicole Yoon is insanely consistent. I mean, there's not enough good things I could say about her. She's, I just love her so much. Okay, now we're going to look at Natasha's first page. And we're not going to look at the whole scene because it's a couple pages. We're just going to look at the first scene of her page. And then I'm going to do a first page breakdown for you. Natasha. My mom says it's time for me to give up now and that what I'm doing is futile. She's upset. So her accent is thicker than usual, and every statement is a question. You know think it's time for you to give up now, Tasha? You know think that what you're doing, what you're doing is futile? She draws out the first syllable of futile for a second too long. My dad doesn't say anything. He's mute with anger or impotence. I'm never sure which. His frown is so deep and so complete that it's hard to imagine his face with another expression. If this were even just a few months ago, I'd be sad to see him like this, but now I don't really care. He's the reason we're all in this mess. Peter, my nine-year-old brother, is the only one of us happy with this turn of events. Right now, he's packing a suitcase and playing No Woman, No Cry by Bob Marley. Old school packing music, he called it. Despite the fact that he was born here in America, Peter says he wants to live in Jamaica. He's always been pretty shy and has a hard time making friends. I think he imagines that Jamaica will be a paradise and that somehow things will be better for him there. Okay, so uh, if you've listened to me teach or talk at all about how to start off your book, you know that you only have one page, sometimes one paragraph, to convince the reader that they should read your entire book. And in this case, with dual POVs, one of the things I want to talk about and compare and contrast in these two different books is that you have to have not just one hook, you have to have two hooks because you have to prove to the reader not only that they care about the first main character, you also have to make them care about the second main character because there are two. And you can, you know, you heard me read this amazing beginning of this book, and you know now that if you have a heart at all. <laughs> you're going to care about Daniel and his family, and you're going to care about Natasha and her family. Uh, and um, Nicole Yoon does a lot of really subtle, amazing things. Uh, for example, she's showing two different accents and two different cultures without being offensive, which is like a miracle, but she's also uh, multicultural. And so I feel like she can understand that a little bit better uh, than other authors like me who need to hire sensitivity readers. And there's nothing to be ashamed of if you need to hire a sensitivity reader. Do it. Make sure you're 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 portraying the person you want to portray right. Uh, and in this case, Nicole Yoon, who is black and Asian, is portraying two different cultures. Um, not that she's Jamaican, but she's able to show you all of these things about these characters in one page. We know not just about them. We know the plight of each one of their families. And that takes some very careful curation. That was accidental alliteration, by the way. <laughs> so you see in Daniel's story that his brother gets kicked out of Harvard and that that's like 
the worst thing that could happen to someone who's Korean and uh, that all the people in his community know about it and his parents are confused and they don't understand and uh, that Daniel and Charlie don't have the best relationship because it says, even I almost feel bad for Charlie, almost. And don't you just love those one word sentences? Um, but the headline at the top, local teen accepts destiny, agrees to become doctor, comma, stereotype. It's so full of uh, interesting things in such a small sentence where you're like, okay, I understand. And as you read, you're like, okay, the names are Korean. This person is Korean because they're in the Korean community of Flushing, New York. And you can understand then why becoming a doctor would be a stereotype. And we're going to find out that uh, Daniel doesn't necessarily want to be a doctor. <laughs> so that's going to be uh, something interesting. But you can tell already, if you don't know anything else about what this story is, if you haven't seen the movie, if you haven't read any reviews, that now you're pulled in. You are committed. And then you start reading Natasha, and you're like, hmm, this is like someone else totally different uh, who's Jamaican, and it they're going to have to move not from America back to Jamaica, which is really interesting. And you can tell she's arguing with her mom. She's mad at her dad. Uh, her brother thinks that life will be better in Jamaica than it is in New York. And you notice, like, there's no telling in this. So that's why I keep going back to this book as an example, because they're just the characters are thinking, the characters are giving you, like, the ideas that are in their heads and the, the conversations that they're having with their parents. And so they're not, it's not like Natasha is, Natasha's parents are from Jamaica and now they're in America. And because of something that we don't know about yet, they have to leave and her brother's happy. Like that, that would not be as compelling. That would be, you know, it wouldn't draw you in. And also you would feel like someone's just making a list, which is not what we ever want. So you can see there's two hooks here already that Daniel's going to become a doctor and then Natasha has to leave the U.S. And those hooks are the small essences, essences. I don't know what the plural of that is. Write in and tell me. Uh, so those those ideas boil down everything of what is inside the book, which um, this book, let's see how many pages is it? Of course, I have the paperback one, right? Uh, this book is 346 pages long. Uh, and I have the, the hardback with the purple page colors on the outside. It's so beautiful. I, I try to always buy the book before the movie version comes out so I don't have to have the movie cover because I like the original cover. Uh, when I see an old copy of Ready Player One with the original cover, I buy it because I don't want the movie cover. And the movie for that is pretty deplorable. I'm sh I, I, <laughs> I know I've said I'll do an episode all about that at some point. And I will, but I need to read Ready Player Two first so I can just kind of throw everything into one. All right, so uh, I'm going to now read the two introductory scenes of Star Wars Lost Stars by Claudia Gray, which is my all-time favorite book. I love this book so much. There, I mean, I could do like a whole teaching series out of this book alone, Um I probably won't do that because it would just be me fangirling for, like, however many classes there were. But 
Uh, I'm going to start. Also, this book has a prologue. They both have prologues. And before I even get into this one, I just want to say that prologues have gone out of fashion for now because people were not doing them the way that Claudia Gray and Nicole Yoon do them in this book, where it's something actually really important, action driving. Uh, a lot of people have been using prologues as summaries of what the story is going to be about or like 100 years before or 10 years before. And readers don't really want that. And that's your introduction to the book. That is your one page to get the reader on board. So I think you can understand why a lot of publishers and writing teachers are saying, hey, just skip over the prologue. But if you do a prologue like Claudia Gray or Nicole Yoon does it, yes, keep it in. You have my permission, uh, whether or not that matters to you, to write a prologue. As long as the action is happening there, you're getting to see the main character or two main characters, and your hook is contained in the prologue. Okay? So those are the rules. If you can't do those things, don't write a prologue. Just go to chapter one. All right. I've, I must have read this first page like a million times, but it's so good. Okay. A ship sliced through the shale gray sky overhead so quickly it was no more than a line of light and a distant screech almost lost in the wind. What a first line. That's a, lam a Lambda-class shuttle. Thane Kyrell pointed upward, jumping with excitement. Do you hear it? Did you, Dalvin? Sorry, did you hear it? Uh, his older brother cuffed him and sneered. You don't know what the ship looks like. You're too little to know. Am not. It was a Lambda-class shuttle. You can tell by the sound of the engines. Children hush. Thane's mother never glanced back at them. She concentrated on holding up the hem of her saffron-colored robe so it wouldn't trail in the dust. I told you we ought to have brought the hovercraft. Instead, we're wandering down to Valencia on foot like valley trash. The hangars will be a madhouse, insisted Thane's father, Oris Kyrell, with a contemptuous sniff. Thousands of people trying to land, whether or not they've got a reservation. Do you want to spend our whole day fighting over docking rights? Better to do it this way. The boys can keep up well enough. Dalvin could. He was 12 years old, long-limbed, and proud to tower over his younger brother. For Thane, the downhill trek through the uneven mountain path was harder going. So far, he was shor shorter than most boys his age. The large feet and hands that hinted at his future height were, for now, merely awkward. His reddish-blonde hair stuck to his sweaty forehead, and he wished his parents had let him wear his favorite boots instead of these shiny new ones, which pinched his toes at every step. But he would have made a more difficult trip than that to finally see TIE fighters and shuttles, real spacecraft, not like some clunky old V-171. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the one paragraph where she's explaining what he looks like through the struggle of him being sweaty and his stride not being as long as his brother's is pure genius. That's the way to describe characters. Okay, so now we know that uh, Thane is obsessed with fighter ships, and that's going to be really important. That's the crux of his story, and also that he doesn't get along with his family, which you can see in this paragraph. So um, there's not a very strong hook within the first page of this book, um, but 
you you already like him, right? Like you already like Thane because he's trying. He realizes that uh, no matter what the cost, he wants to see these ships and his passion is contagious. All right, now we're going to go to the second POV, which is Sienna. And uh, I'm going to talk about different styles of how to delineate the POVs after I read this introduction to one of my all-time favorite characters, the one who made me understand why the dark side is appealing, Sienna. Sienna, your eyes on the path... Oh, sorry. I'll start over. (laughs) Sienna, your eyes on the path or you'll fall. Sienna Ree couldn't stop staring into the gray sky. She could have sworn she'd heard a Lambda-class shuttle, and she wanted more than anything to see one, too. But, Mama, I'm, I know I heard a ship. It's always ships and flying with you, her mother, Vereen, chuckled softly and picked up her daughter, then placed her on the wide, furry back of the Munyak they were leading uphill toward Valencia. There, save your strength for the big parade." Sienna buried her hands in the Munyak's shaggy hair. It smelled agreeably of musk and hay, of home. As she peered upward, she saw a thin line in the clouds, already disappearing, but evidence that the shuttle had been there. She shivered with excitement, then remembered to take hold of the braided leather bracelet around her wrist. Pressing the leather between her fingers, Sienna whispered, Look through my eyes. Now her sister, Wynette, could see it too. Sienna lived her life for both of them and never forgot that. Her father must have heard her because he wore the sad smile that meant he was thinking of Wynette too, but he only patted his daughter's head and tucked one wayward black curl behind her ear. Okay, so, uh, yeah, so many good things in there too, right? Obviously, she also is obsessed with ships, and she can't wait to see them, and she knows exactly what kind of ship it is. So you can see that uh, Gray here is not only showing you the enthusiasm of the two different characters and what's involved and what their families are like, which, remember, that's what we saw in The Sun is Also a Star by Nicole Yoon, a totally different author, but she's also mirroring the two characters so that you get an idea of how they uh, are like-minded and how they both have family issues. And you're going to, in the prologue, they they meet each other and they're little kids. And then in the next ceremony, we're like, I mean, ceremony. I just read that off of one of the page pages. And then in the actual chapter one, we're going to see that it's five years later, and they're both uh, in the academy for the Empire, <laughs> which is an interesting way to start a Star Wars book, right? Because it's always like, rebels, rebels, rebels. But this this is different. Um, and it's, you know, it's called A Journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens. And so it's kind of leading up to that. And we get to see characters we know. It's just so much fun. If you're a Star Wars fan and you haven't read Lost Stars by Claudia Gray, you are seriously missing out. Even if I wasn't a Star Wars fan, I would love it. But because I am, like, a crazy Star Wars fan, uh, I really appreciated everything that went into it. So we've got these two different books. And you can see that there are some things in common. And I want to talk about why that is. So the first thing that I want to point out is that both of these books are romance stories. So you're seeing the dual POV in order for you to see the love. uh, Let's see. 
in order for you to see the romantic relationship from both angles, because uh, you have Thane and Sienna, will they, won't they, and you have Daniel and uh, Nat. Oh, man. I want to say her name right. And I know my brain is all fuzzy right now. Uh, and you have Daniel and Natasha. Yeah, who are also a will they won't they story, and so it's it's really common uh, in romantic books like this to have both perspectives because it's really fun to write both perspectives. It's really fun to read both perspectives. The only thing that I would say that you have to be careful of is if you're going to write dual POV and you're. Uh, like a woman, you have to be careful about writing the man's part and getting it right. If you're writing a dual POV for a same-sex couple and you are the same gender as the same-sex couple, you have a lot less to worry about. Uh, I haven't actually seen a lot of books out there like that. If you know of one, I would love to read one. Send me a link. Uh, send me a book title. I will I will definitely look that up. Or if you're like, Kristen, I'm going to write one of those. Let me know and I'll buy it when you finish it. Uh, so we have the romance aspect. And like I said, you just need to make sure that you are able to have someone to bounce your ideas off of. When I write a male perspective, I always ask my husband about it. And over the years, he's helped me uh, understand how men think according to him, right? Of course, not all men think the same, just like not all women think the same. But you need to have someone who's like, no, uh, no, we wouldn't think that way. We wouldn't do that. There's no way that any guy I know or any woman I know would approach the situation that way just because it doesn't sound realistic. So you need that person to, you know, bounce ideas off of if you're going to write uh, a dual POV with opposite sexes. Okay, and also uh, I... <laughs> I talk about this in my new book that's coming out soon, Write Fewer Words, Tell Better Stories. There are different ways to use tags for writing multiple POVs. If you're writing more than two POVs, I highly recommend you have a tag at the beginning of every single uh, chapter or scene that you're switching. I also highly recommend that you do not switch perspectives in a chapter. And so you're going to notice that in The Sun is Also a Star, if you're flipping through it, that that is what Nicola Yoon does, is she switches the POV per chapter. And not only do we have uh, Daniel and Natasha, we have other blurbs, like I said, that are coming from the universe. And so she not only uses the name at the beginning of the title uh, for Daniel and Natasha, but she also uses terms when she's uh, branching into the universe perspective and her husband drew all these little um, pictures because he is an illustrator artist uh, and now a best-selling writer as well he when he created all these little images that are in the shape of a circle but they're different doodles for each character and they carry all the way through the book so um, even if and honestly like the pictures kind of tell you about the person a little bit so uh, Charles, which is Daniel's brother, which you know from the beginning, his image is like a really messed up little ball of craziness, which represents how conflicted he's feeling. And you'll learn more about that as you go. And she also has subtitles uh, for some of for non-Daniel and Natasha uh, store um, chapters. 
For example, she has hair in African-American history, which I did not know the things that I learned in this book, which were so beyond interesting to me. And it made me want to go read a whole book about Korean people selling African-American hair products, which is one of the things that comes up in the book. It's an important part of the book. Um, So you can... If you have more than two POVs, and this book technically does, even though there are two main POVs, you should definitely have tags. You can even have illustrations if you want to go the extra level, uh, which is what Nicole Yoon did. And then, so, but if you only have two POVs, you don't necessarily need to do anything. And that's what we see with Claudia Gray is that she doesn't even follow the advice of having different chapters uh, in the prologue, she switches back and forth between Thane and Sienna's perspectives, and she does so by creating a line break, which is normal. It's a normal way to separate a scene. And then she includes their name in the first sentence, which is a really simple way to do it. Um, I believe that is also how James Patterson does it, because when I was writing uh, write fewer words, tell better stories. Maria was like, hey, but what about James Patterson's way, which is also simple and effective? And I was like, oh, yeah, uh-huh, yes, that's that's good. But you can't really do that successfully without it getting confusing for the reader if you have more than two characters. So that's my recommendation for that. Obviously, um, Claudia Gray does it flawlessly, and, yeah, just love this book so much, so much. Uh, so... Those are two things that you need to to consider, okay? So if you're not going to use tags, in the first or second sentence, you need to tip off the reader as to whose perspective you are in. Okay, so uh, writing the intros for the book. All right, so you have to, like I said, consider the hook for each character and have that in there for each perspective Because you're not just selling the one character's perspective. If you're not selling both, you're making a mistake. You need your reader to be engaged with all the perspectives that you are using in the book. And even uh, in The Sun is Also a Star by Nicole Yoon, she tries to engage you right away with the prologue, which is written uh, from the universe's perspective. Carl Sagan said that if you want to make an apple pie from scratch, you must first invent the universe. When he says from scratch, he means from nothing. He means from a time before the world even existed. If you want to make an apple pie from nothing at all, you have to start with the Big Bang and expanding universes, neurons, ions, atoms, black holes, suns, moons, ocean tides, the Milky Way, Earth, evolution, dinosaurs, extinct level events, platypuses, Homo erectus, Cro-Magnon man, etc. You have to start at the beginning. You f- you must invent fire. You need water and fertile soil and seeds. You need cows and people to milk them and more people to churn that milk into butter. You need wheat and sugarcane and apple trees. You need chemistry and biology. For a really good apple pie, you need the arts. For an apple pie that can last for generations, you need the printing press and the industrial revolution and maybe even a poem. To make a thing as simple as an apple pie, you have to create the whole wide world. And so (laughs) we don't really think about that, do we, when we're going to make an apple pie? So she's kind of turning your expectations on their head because you're like, I'm going to read this book about this 
these two teenagers and how they fall in love with each other and will they be together or not. And uh, she starts with Carl Sagan and talks about the universe. But then, as you see throughout the book, that is a theme that ties into Daniel and Natasha's story. So, you know, listen, this is advanced level stuff. I don't recommend you writing a prologue like that when you're first starting out because you have to you have to figure out how to you have to instinctively know how to catch the reader's attention and then string in those ideas all the way through, which she does beautifully. Um, but if you're not Nicola Yoon level writing, which if you are, there's no reason for you to listen to this podcast, uh, then you should start with the main characters. But if you're like want to attempt it and then have a developmental editor tell you if you've done it correctly, yeah, you can do that. Just make sure you have outside help, expert help, right? Experienced people who know how to thread these sorts of needles, right? And weave these tapestries so that you can make sure that you get it right. And that was my last note is prologue or no. So listen, I think that if you can add the action in, like I said, add the hook, create the interest for the main character, you can do a prologue. But if the prologue is supposed to be about something that happened 100 years ago before the main character, no, don't do it that way. You can add that information in later. Start with the action, start with the protagonist or both protagonists since we're talking about dual POV. And you will be good to go. So I hope that you found today's episode interesting. If you feel compelled to read The Sun is Also a Star or uh, Claudia Gray's Lost Stars, let me know what you thought. I'd love to hear how you felt reading those dual POVs all the way through. And uh, remember, it is never too late to write the story of your heart which is what I'm trying to do every day. And that's why I create these episodes. If you'd like to help me pay for the cost of putting this podcast together, you can go to patreon.com forward slash expensive words and support me with either $4 a month, which is less than the, than what a fancy cup of tea would cost. Or you can join uh, my membership level. That's $12 a month. And you can get uh, included in monthly grouping coach calls, monthly coach calls that are a group. All my words just left me. You can join the group coaching calls. Thank you, brain. Uh, that I do once a month where you can ask me any questions about your story and I will help you and give you uh, personal advice on what you can do to make the story of your heart all the things that you want it to be. Thank you for checking out the episode today. I hope you have an amazing uh, afternoon or whenever you're listening to this. And happy writing. This has been another episode of the Writing Expensive Words podcast with me, your host, Kristen Spencer. I'd love to hear your amazing writing thoughts and questions from your awesome writing brain. You can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer or at literary symmetry. Or you can email me at kns at literarysymmetry.com. This podcast is funded by awesome listeners like you. If you'd like to support this podcast and keep it rolling, you can head over to www.patreon.com forward slash expensive words. You can keep all of my hosting and software needs going for the show by donating less than what it costs for one fancy cup of tea a month. And to be eligible to join writing coaching calls with me, check out the $12 a month sponsorship. You will get to ask me questions live about the story of your heart once a month and meet other cool writers. 
Thanks again for listening and happy writing.